Institute of World Mission podcast. You're listening to the show for Adventist cross-cultural mission enthusiasts. My name is Alex Ott, and together with the IWM team, we invite you to join us today. This podcast is a production of the Institute of World Mission brought to you with support of the General Conference Missions family of ministries and services. Hello, friends. In today's interview, we are returning to the ongoing series on missionary health. This is part three in the series of 12. My counterpart and main presenter is Dr. Katya Reinhardt. Dr. Reinhardt is an associate director of the General Conference Health Department. And as many of you know, she is heavily involved in serving us, the global community of Adventist missionaries. Now, right after the interview, I will remind all of us how to access the available installments, how to access the series, and how to make sure you won't miss upcoming installments if this is the area of your special interest, which I sure hope it is. There is a way to do it, so stay tuned. Now, however, on to the interview. Katya, welcome back to the Institute of World Mission podcast. Pleasure to be here. <laughs> now, we are doing a series together. Yes. A series on health, specifically for missionaries. We're following um, an acronym called Celebrations. Before we get to our letter for today, can you tell us just a little bit where, where did Celebrations come from, this, this acronym? Well, this was actually created um, some years ago by the team in our General Conference Health Ministries Department. And um, the idea was to bring a very holistic view of uh, factors for health and expand a little bit, you know, from New Start to some other elements uh, that we felt was important. Um, And so uh, those 12 principles came together in this word, celebrations, because we believe that God wants us to have a full and abundant life and celebrate uh, in a joyful way living the life he's given us. No, I love the connotation which uh, this word brings. If we are healthy, we can truly celebrate. We can celebrate, right? Yes. (laughs) So today is uh, the third letter, letter L, and it stands for... Liquids. I think we may um, want to remind C was for choice, E was for exercise, and now L for liquids. Liquids. I I understand we will mostly be talking about water today. Is that Yeah, and and we say liquids because it's not just water. You know, it's funny because um, there are a lot of liquids that are not as healthy, like, you know, sodas, for instance, is, is one example. There are people that say, oh, I'm drinking my liquids, but the kind of liquids they're drinking are not the best, right? So, as we know, sodas have a very high... Um, level of sugar and is one of the culprits uh, in this obesity epidemic that we have. Uh, And it brings many other issues, uh, health issues too. Other people drink a lot of coffee or, you know, a lot of uh, caffeinated drinks, teas or other kinds of things, which we also know are not the best. So yeah, in the end, we narrowed it down to water being the best uh, liquid in terms of, as we'll see, uh, intake, but also other um, good ways we can use water for uh, therapy or even um, cleanliness, you know, and other kinds of things, hygiene. Now, we will uh, apply 
this conversation specifically for the reality that missionaries find themselves in. Before we do that, let's let's talk a little bit of anatomy or biology, what, whatever it's <laughs> called. Um, why is water so important to us, Katya? You know, water, first of all, you and I, we are between 75 to 85% water, depending where you look. Like in our brain, uh, most men are 85% water in the brain. Uh, in our bodies, in general... W- w- women are less? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> men and women in general. Um, compared to dogs or animals, yeah, yeah. you know, man, humankind, I should say. Um, in terms of our body, in general, is about 70% water. Mm-hmm. Uh, some other organs may have, again, like the brain, a higher uh, percentage of water. So everything that happens in this beautiful body that God has given us depends, uh, requires... Uh, water and so you know the all the chemical activities uh, that go on in our digestion you know as I said in the brain it's dependent for those um, neurons to communicate um, so uh, everything that goes on the circulation depends on water and you know all the function of our body depends on it so it's a critical element if you and I do not have adequate water, Within four days, we can die Mm -hmm. because of the electrolyte imbalance, the dehydration and everything else that can ensue. And so, um, and we see that, unfortunately, happening sometimes. I used to work in intensive care and uh, more than once we've seen people die because of the um, effect of not having adequate water. So our bodies lose water. It, uh, they do. Right. We naturally lose water. We need to restore uh, water. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've heard now a number of things, How you know, uh, different measures for how much water people should drink a day. So mm-hmm. what's the recommendation? Well, of course, there's all kinds of different numbers or percentages. I like to be practical mm-hmm. on this. You know, on average, um, you and I may lose... Um, Again, on average, because depending on the climate, where you are, the physical activity you do, you may lose more or less. But on average, we lose about 2.3 to 2.5 liters of water a day. And so uh, that is, again, through the activities that we're having, through the perspiration, uh, depending on the physical activity, depending on the temperature, we may sweat. And so we end up losing about that. Um, That means we need to at least have around that same amount two to liters. replace it. So that's on average between two to, you know, two and a half um, liters a day. Now, if if we are in an environment where we are exercising and we're set sweating more, we may need more. If we are in an environment where it's hot and uh, we perspire and um, it's humid, we may need a little bit more too. So again, it's an average, but uh, it also depends on your body size as well. Um, you know, we may need more or less, depending if you're a little child, mm-hmm. it compared to an adult, you know, has more weight. Um, but on average, we like to th- say two to two and a half liters. A good way, very easy way to know, uh, in general, whether or not you're drinking enough water is just to look at your urine. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if the urine is too yellow and dark, more like almost amber and orange looking um that's not good you're not drinking enough um we like to have it a light yellow kind of urine if it's pale uh, yellow uh if it is no color then maybe it's too much because there is such a thing as drinking too much water okay yeah 
So. Katya, now let's let's take a look at um, our global community of missionaries. Um, it's it's truly a global community. People, missionary families, live in all kinds of conditions. So let's take climates. What are the specifics of water intake in hot climates? Hot, dry climates. So you know, again, hot climates um, impact the way we lose the water. And so we, we use, use the water. Okay. So we need more water um, oftentimes. And sometimes you may say, oh, no, but I barely sweat, you know. Uh, you don't feel as much because it's not as humid, perhaps. But you are losing and you can become dehydrated very fast if you're not drinking enough. So, again, I would use the urine as a, as a way. Okay. But I would certainly um, recommend at least two and a half, maybe ideally three liters of water in a very hot climate to make sure that you are replacing uh, adequately your water. And, and of course, um, you have to be aware, as some of the other things I mentioned as well, you know, body size and, and children versus adults. But on average, you, you need to be more aware because dehydration can come more, more quickly in a hot climate. Is there a difference between hot, humid and hot, dry climates uh, on water intake? Not a huge amount, no, okay. but we do sweat much more uh, in a way. At least we feel it in a, um, in a, in humid. a humid climate. Yeah. And so you, you might need to drink more. But again, I think if you look at how much output you're having in terms of the urine, that is a good way to balance uh, whether or not you, you, or to know whether or not you're drinking enough. Because when you're not, what happens? Your body retain urine. It thinks you're going to need it because you're not drinking enough. Um, or if you are losing, you know, like through sweat and everything and not taking in as much, and it will retain. So your urine is going to be very little and concentrated. And so, again, that's a good way, your output uh, in terms of urine, it will be a good way of kind of giving you a sense of where you are. Any specifics uh, in terms of cold climates? Cold climates, um, we don't waste as much. Uh, sometimes we don't sweat as much. And so you can get by perhaps with a little less water than you would in a hot and humid climate uh, or human climate. Um, and uh, so you don't have to be as worried, I would say. Okay. But the problem is sometimes if you are living in a cold environment where you are always inside and you have, you know, heaters going on, that will then create an environment. You're actually in a warm climate there inside the home at least and, and may cause also perspiration or, or you may lose not knowing you're losing because it tends to be dry. You know, but if you're not drinking enough, you may turn into the same problem of being dehydrated. We often see um, as you get older, like the elderly uh, people, uh, as you age, it's much more easier for them to become dehydrated. And sometimes in the winter, they're saying, I don't need to drink. I don't feel thirsty. And so it can turn into a problem. So you have to really watch yourself making sure that you're taking at least those two liters regardless whether cold warm and more if it is a warm or i really appreciate climate. you repeating the idea of two plus liters because I, I i personally katia have never realized uh, that it's important to that extent um it seems i'm not drinking enough um just a couple of sundays ago we went skiing um amy and i our boys and we spent the whole day Sunday out uh, in the mountains skiing. 
Uh, we had water with us, two liters, two liters of water, and we drank it all. We didn't have any more, so we couldn't drink anymore. But when we came home that night, and then the next two or three days, we really felt that we were seriously dehydrated. We just could not get enough yeah. dry lips and all that. Um, so we, basically, I had half a liter that day with in a cold environment, lots of exercise, <laughs> and I got myself dehydrated. Oh, I'm sure. And, and see, and that's a very important um, to note when you exercise like that, like you're skiing all day. I mean, that was, you that was are, a whole day heavy exercise. You, you can't imagine. Your body's using it. Your muscles need it. You're working. And, and you may not feel as thirsty because of the climate and all, mm -hmm. but in the end... Yeah, like you said, you felt it the next few days. So We all felt it. We you all felt, felt it. it. So it's just good to be prepared, you know, when you go and you, no matter what, try to plan. If you're three of you, plan six liters <laughs> and to prevent that because that can be dangerous. Now, what happens uh, physically if we don't drink enough water? What long-term effects? Oh, there's have? so many, but certainly a, a very first one you see is that as i said your body start to retain the water that you have because it's afraid that it's going to go into dehydration and with that it um you have less urine coming down uh you're going to have less liquids in your gi tract so which means constipation mm -hmm. uh people may not be you know moving their bowels as as well because again there's not enough uh water in the system to move um, the bowel, you know, help through with the bowel, bowel movements. The other element is your blood becomes thick, you know, over time. And so if you're not drinking enough, uh, you're going to have more viscous blood. What, what's the problem with that? Well, the problem with that is going to move through your vessels sm slower and, you know, being thicker, it can also increase your chances for heart attack or stroke. So, scares, gotta cook. Scares more. <laughs> I, I, I want more of all of those things. Yeah. So, and and of course, people can get headaches. Uh, as I said, you know, the brain is depends on water. It's more than eighty percent water. And so, when you are getting to a dehydrated state, you're gonna have headaches. The other thing is the electrolyte imbalance. You know, we have a very fine balance between sodium and potassium in the water intake, you know, helps to balance that. When you start to get into the dehydration phase, all that becomes messed up. And you can have a very rapid heart rate. Some people, if your potassium goes up too much uh, or your sodium level is too low or, you know, depending on how the pumps work there, you can have confusion. Start not thinking, not knowing where you are. You can pass out. Hmm. Uh, you can actually have what we call like a tachycardia, because uh, or a VTAC. You know, depending on on um, the electrolyte imbalance, can cause you to have a heart attack because of that tachycardia. That that um, you know, not a regular heart rate. You know, and so uh, that can be a problem. And you know, it can bring to death if you are dehydrated long enough. As I said, four days, five days, you can really die. We recently had a case. I was in a certain place where an older person, she must have been in the 60s, and um, we worked for the church. They were very motivated to exercise. We were talking about exercise, and um, they usually don't have dinner. So mm -hmm. the next morning, uh, she goes, and it was a very humid place. It was a place where it was hot, and again, uh, 
they didn't have dinner because they usually don't have a third meal. And in the morning, they went exercise before their breakfast, and they hadn't drank enough. And again, it was hot. So she wasn't used to the activity. The weather was hot. And you know what happened? She cast out. She wasn't close to her husband. He didn't see her. She woke up. She couldn't remember where she was, where her phone was, what had taken place. She was confused. And when we went to find out, you know, she was severely dehydrated. And also because she hadn't eaten, her blood sugar was low. And so she wasn't really prepared to um, some of those changes in your body. And it could have been a major problem, you know. Luckily, you know, we gave her fluids. Uh, she ended up going to the hospital and getting fluids and uh, eating. And, you know, that helped to reestablish her normal levels. But okay. you know, that can be scary. And that is... Um, your example also painted some of the realities that missionaries experience in terms of uh, the locale, the climate, and, and so forth. That's right. Um, so let's talk a little bit. Um, in your travels, and you travel a lot, you meet a lot of families uh, out there, Adventist expat families, missionary families. What challenges do you see they face in the area of drinking enough? Yeah, I think one of the greatest challenges that we see in the mission field um depending where the missionaries are, is really access to clean drinking water, you know, adequate uh, drinking water, having that access. Sometimes they are in places where, um, you know, you don't have as accessible the clean water. What does drink. it mean? It just it's coming dirty out of the tap. Exactly. There's no tap water. What, do, you know, yeah, what is that? Yeah, it could be. Um, mm. Some places you can drink, depending where you are. The water is treated very well, and you could... You know, just drink off the tap water. Well, sometimes for these uh, missionaries, even cooking with that water wouldn't be uh, adequate because there might be, it's not clean, it's not sanitized enough. It, and so you have to use other ways to really clean and kill pathogens in the water in order to even cook with it. So or, if there was a, a situation uh, where a tap water is not clean, uh, what's the best practice? Well, there's that, depending where, again, the missionary family is, there are various ways you can deal with that. Some places you can find filters for your home uh, or even for the well, so that if the water comes from a well, for instance, um, you know, you can ensure that it goes also through filters to remove any kinds of types of um, uh, impurities or other. Uh, problems that it would bring through the water. And so filters can be helpful for metals, you know, to clean off some metals that may come from water that you don't want to have. And also um, make sure that it is at least free from pathogens. Other ways is um, there are cleaning agents now that are used sometimes, something like Medidrops. I don't know if you're familiar with this. No, what is that? These are... Um, uh, it's kind of like a, a rock that actually has embedded in its porous uh, sites uh, silver. And so you place this uh, drop, this rock uh, that has silver, in the water for several hours, and that will release silver ions into um, that water, and it will kill all kinds of pathogens, like E. coli, like um, 
many of the deadly salmonella, you know, other kinds of uh, bad bacteria and that can actually be deadly and bring disease. So that is another way. Like in India, it's used a lot because sometimes uh, people are in different places or even in Africa where sometimes the water is not as clean and treated uh, and you may have some of those pathogens. And so um, this is a nice, not expensive way to clean the water. Katya, um I'm not a physician or, or, or anything. In fact, I hope to have a healthy lifestyle, but no background uh, in medicine. What is a pathogen? So pathogens are, um, it could be, vir- you know, usually bacterial, but it, it is an, uh, a living being that brings disease. Okay. So, for instance, E. coli is one that can bring and cause you to have bacteria and bleeding and other kinds of of, of um, disease in, in your GI tract, for instance, uh, or salmonella, similarly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some of these, at least I heard those terms. Yes, <laughs> before yeah. those those that can be you know uh, can really bring a lot of not only disease and and, and sickness and you know, can sometimes kill people who whose immunity is low and so. If not treated, it can be very So bad. we want to clean water from, like you said, from the living, what is it, bacteria or... Yes, uh, we call it pathogens. Pathogens, which is, okay. Yeah, yeah. Now, what else do we want to clean? Uh, what, what else do we want to remove from... Heavy the, metals. Metals? Um, yeah, heavy metals that can be um, also not healthy uh, and can be poisons like mercury or other kinds of, of, of um, irons and, and things that can be not helpful for us to have. And so um, filters usually are able to come in and, you know, filter some of those heavy metals out of the water. So pathogens, metals. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are the two culprits? Those are the two uh, Probably the, the more important ones uh, that worry people. Because, okay. uh, you know, that... Of course, if you have ideally a source that is a good source of spring water or, or wells that are clean... You will have some electrolytes in the water. You will have some other ingredients to the ions in the water that would be uh, good, but not so alkaline, not so acidic, but have a balance uh, for you to drink. So you um, filters can keep that balance as well between acidity and, um, and alkalinity in the water. Now, let's talk a little bit about uh, the filters. Now, I, I understand uh, filters can be of many different kinds. What have you seen experienced missionaries using or what kind of advice can we give about filters? Well, what I would say, it's important to talk to people locally where you mm-hmm. are, what kinds of filters um, are available there. Uh, we've seen it really depends. Some people are buy their own filters and, and bring in uh, big uh, filters that are able to really you know, come from the well there and then provide water for, you know, lots of water uh, and it can last for a long time. And um, and so people can purchase it in other countries and, you know, put it in there. Um, others use filters in, that are smaller, like, you know, you might have seen things even like Vita, uh, which is like filters. They're more expensive, though, but they uh, filter smaller amounts of water. Mm-hmm. Um most people probably also that do not have access to that would go into other kinds of things, like I mentioned, the, mat, the Matty Drop, or even trying to do the best they can because they can't access filters where okay. they are. So it, it really varies. Um, but I would, you know, if, if people are looking and they're concerned with the kind of water they are, 
accessing where they are. Talk to others in the area, see what's available, and if not, then you may have to purchase filters and bring it in from outside. Now, bottled water, of course, may be ideal, but sometimes it's just not accessible. That yeah, right? that's usually what is recommended for some places where you don't have the filters, where you you know can try to buy uh, a good uh, water bottles. The problem is sometimes, depending where you are, people can manipulate the, the uh, bottled waters as well. And so uh, you need to make sure that you're purchasing from a source that's a good source that is recommended by the locals as a good source of water. Um, Katya, time is running. Um, we have a couple more things that, that are very interesting to, to at least touch on. Obviously, water is good not just for drinking, but also for cleansing. Um, and the most obvious part uh, of that is uh, washing your hands. Yes. Now, as much as it is uh, obvious to people, and I'm repeating myself, uh, tell us why is it so <laughs> crucial? Again, it's so important because our hands is pretty much the gate uh, in a big way to... Uh, to everything that we do and we are touching everything you know and very easily it goes to our eyes it goes to our mouth uh you know we're eating with it uh, sometimes holding food and so it's very easy to transmit whatever bacteria or pathogens you have in your hands to the food to your eye and to others and so you know to your kids and sometimes we forget that, but, you know, we touch everything. We never know what comes, where, what you are touching. And then you go and you give a hug to your uh, husband, your kid. You touch their face and suddenly you're scratching your eye and you put your finger there. And, you know, certainly you're going to eat. Suddenly you're holding the bread, you know. So it's very easy to contaminate food to pass on disease and microbes to others. And so we have to be careful. Now, I, I'm not ashamed uh, to talk about uh, what seeming, you know, may seem a, a simple thing. Um, for example, in uh, my own family, uh, granted, my wife uh, thinks more about washing her hands than I do. <laughs> yeah. right? Now, I always come home <laughs> and the first thing I do, I wash my hands. And yeah. stuff. But just, just yesterday, I had to travel uh, for a whole day and it was a couple of airports and all kinds of things. Now I do remember distinctly that as I went throughout the day I washed my hands several times. Now I would come out of the bathroom, I, I would wash my <laughs> hands and so forth. So I came, finally settled, went out to eat, got my food, some of it was finger food and what did I do with all the knowledge and whatever? I grabbed this food after this whole day of traveling, and uh, and and when I when I took that food into my hands, I was shocked and like, <laughs> what am I doing? You know, I, I after all of what I have touched today, or at least in the last couple of hours since I washed my hands last. So I j I just feel that with the amount of traveling and the places where we are as a community, it just does not hurt. It's very important to be conscious of, of the need to wash your hands. And in fact, you know, for missionaries, you're in the field, you also remember you're, you know, shaking hands with people. And, and, and that is another way too. you know, you can, uh, without knowing, um, end up uh, contaminated with something that uh, you can spread to others. So what I think is a good practice, not only is to think, oh, I need to go wash, but some people carry with them all the time. A little bit, you know, like a little container 
with bactericidal kind of antimicrobial um, washing, hand washing, that you can just at least spread in your hand and wash so you know before you eat, you just grab. And that becomes a habit, actually. After you talk to people, shake hands, you go in there and you, you know, just wash your hand using this portable kind of um, antimicrobial uh, hand wash. It's very helpful. It becomes, with time, becomes part of your habit to do, and um, it's a good habit to have. Thank you. So that was liquids, Katya. And uh, what is the next uh, topic in our series, celebrations? That would be the letter E again. Oh, yes. It's a very important one. It's actually environment. And it's very relevant for our missionaries as well because it talks about various important elements in the environment that can be important for health. So that's next time. Thank you so much. Pleasure. All right. That almost takes us to the end of this episode. But first, let's figure out how to follow this series on missionary health. We actually have a devoted webpage on the IWM website. It is very straightforward to reach. IWM.Adventist.org forward slash health. It's on this page that you will be able to see all installments that are out at the moment of your visit. Also, right on this page, you can subscribe to email notifications about upcoming episodes in the series. One more time, the page is iwm.adventist.org forward slash health. By the way, with the new website, it is very easy to comment on each published episode on our website. We will be very happy to hear from you, friends. Comments, insights, questions related to the episode you listen to are so welcomed. Simply find the published episode on iwm.adventist.org forward slash podcast. Click on the episode to see its dedicated page, and at the bottom, you will be able to leave your comment. It's in the comments that many excellent conversations happen. I know both myself and Dr. Reinhardt will be very happy to engage with you in the comments section. Lastly, tomorrow, April 25th, is IWM's monthly webinar. This month, we are discussing shame and honor and how to serve effectively in shame and honor cultures. Find the registration page at iwm.adventist.org forward slash webinars. Well, with this rate, you will soon know our website by heart. Now here goes a smiley face. Friends, I'm looking forward to seeing you next week. <laughs>